Spinal Tap. Yeah, that thing. I told him, make sure you you get enough of what you need because you're never going back into my back again. That was, (laughs) I felt that. I was not sedated. They lied to me. They told me they were going to do that. When they did my MRI, they was going to do all that. But I felt that, sucker. When they gave me my diagnosis, I laughed. I was elated. I was like, okay, thank God I'm not dying yet. (laughs) It's like it's something that I can live with. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings, and thanks for joining us for the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. My special guest today is Sharice, who's willing to talk to us about what it took for her to get her diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. So welcome, Sharice. Thank you, Laura. My name is Sharice, and I am from Ohio. And I was diagnosed in October of 2012 with relapsing remaining multiple sclerosis. So can you tell us a little bit about what was physically wrong that caused you to go see a doctor and begin this journey of getting a diagnosis? Well, I believe 2008, I had first symptoms of I had um, fallen and I ended up having to borrow my grandmother's walker and my left leg. I was dragging it. So I was weak, couldn't you know walk on my own. And I was off work for a month and it cleared up. I went back to work and like nothing never happened. Oh, so did you ignore those symptoms or did you go to a doctor and they helped you? I did. And I had a doctor that really didn't do anything. And I believe was because of because of my weight and, you know, chalking it up to, you know, my size or whatever and not being taken serious. So at that time, it was just like, you know, a whatever this was, it happened and, you know, it cleared back up and I was able to return back to you know, go back to work and, you know, live my life. And four years later, it came again with the vengeance, with all the symptoms and everything that, that that occurred. Do you mind telling us a little bit about how it reappeared in four years later? Yes. Um, four years later, I would walk out the door and I would fall, walk across the grass, fall. I had got a new pair of shoes. So I was like, okay, the shoes are making me fall. No, my, my, you know, my, my weight is causing me to have difficulties in fall. But, you know, like I said, everything just kept progressing. So it started with the dragging of my left foot being weak and having to borrow my grandmother's walker again. I was in school at the time, so I couldn't even stay awake to, you know, take my finals. I was falling asleep. My vision had gone. I wear glasses. So it was just like I had to give up driving. Uh, Yeah, so it was like, you know, someone had scratched my lens. So even with my glasses on, I couldn't see. And then it got to the point where I ended up, my speech was slurred. And I, I would fall on the ground and I couldn't get myself up. I was, I was very weak. Before the end of everything, I ended up just being bedridden because I couldn't walk and take care of myself. 
you really got hit with a little bit of everything. I'm like, yes. I was just like, if this is the worst part of MS, I've definitely seen it. I'm like, I don't want to see that again. So what did it take to get a doctor to look at you seriously and refer you to a neurologist or specialist for a diagnosis of MS? Well, I went to a hospital here locally and my sister took me, mind you, I was in a wheelchair. She had to take me, you know, take me in in a wheelchair and they kept me for two days. They didn't do any testing. They was more so concerned about the fact that I was on medication for depression. So basically it was trying to chalk it up and saying that I'm making all this stuff up, but I couldn't physically, you know, take care of myself. And I was laying down and choking on my own saliva, but there was nothing wrong with me. So no test was done. The aide had to physically wash me because I couldn't do it myself. I was very severely weak. So that was the hospital number one. They discharged me after two days. And the only thing they did, because I woke up out of my sleep in a full-blown panic attack. So they did a, I don't know, a cat, not a cat scan, a chest x-ray or something. Yeah. I was, I'm like, okay. But I, I went back home and symptoms kept increasing. They kept getting worse. You know, I ended up being, my mom had to feed me and everything had to be at a puree. And it just reminded me of, you know, when I was working, I worked in dietary and they wanted to give me thickened liquids and stuff. And I was just like, I used to make this stuff. So I'm not drinking this. I'm not eating this stuff that you're pureeing me. I was on insulin. So I had to teach my sister to give me my insulin. I, I was pretty bad. My aunt had told my mom that, you know, to, they tried to get me into, you know, a host, another hospital, but the ambulance wasn't going to take me directly from my home to that hospital. So I had to go through with being admitted to another local hospital here. So they were able to, you know, do all the paperwork or whatever and let them know what was going on with me. And I finally, yeah, I was admitted. So they just took me straight from that hospital after being there. I think I was in that one three or four days before they got everything situated to have me sent by ambulance to this other hospital where I was able to finally get my my diagnosis. Well, you know me, Sharice, and you know I'm never quiet, and I'm just sitting here spellbound by your story and what you went through to get to this next step. So at this next hospital, then, was that where you were diagnosed with MS? Yes, this hospital where I still go to this day, where I um teaching hospital here in Ohio. And when they seen me, they seen me at my worst. You know, the whole team would come in and it was just like, you know, my speech was slurred. I was I couldn't walk. I was weak, you know. They wanted to give me pureed stuff and I was just like, I'll just take the IV. So I was hungry. I was felt like I was starving. <laughs> And it's just like for them to do the MRI, I had to be sedated because I couldn't lay flat because I was choking on my own saliva. It was it was pretty scary. I, I had told my sister that, no, I don't know what's going on with me. I need you to take my take my son. And he wasn't even three at the time. 
So my baby was just two when I was admitted in the hospital for them to do the MRI and the, um, the what's the one where they had to go in and take out the cerebral spinal tap? Uh, the spinal tap at the lumbar puncture. That yeah. Well. yeah, that thing. I told him, make sure you, you get enough of what you need because you're never going back into, <laughs> into this with this needle <laughs> in my back again. That was, <laughs> I felt that. I was not the David. They lied to me. They told me they were going to do that when they did my MRI. They was going to do all that, but I felt that sucker. Oh, so then finally they say, "Oh, guess what, Sharish? You have MS." Did you know what multiple sclerosis was? I didn't know what it was. No, and I when I used to work, I had a client, two clients, because I did home health and I worked in group homes for the developmentally disabled. So I had, but it's just like. It wasn't something that I was familiar with. I didn't go to Google it or anything because it didn't affect me personally. So it's just like that wasn't something that I I knew about. But when they gave me my diagnosis, I laughed. I was just I was elated. I was like, okay, thank God I'm not dying yet. (laughs) It's like it's something that I could live with. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What a what a turnaround. Something that I could live with. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's definitely been a journey. What a relief it must be to be able to say, this is multiple sclerosis. Okay. Now we can deal with it and treat it. Yes. I can't imagine as a young mom with a young child and going through all that and being so incapacitated by symptoms for so long and having done everything you were supposed to do and seeking medical help, but still not getting answers for so long. That that just frustrates me and it angers me. Yeah, after getting my diagnosis, it was very frustrating because it was just like, you know, being told that, you know, because they thought the symptoms pretty much mimic, you know, looking like a stroke. A stroke. So they... They kind of sounded like they just got out the dartboard and started throwing things randomly at it. Yeah, but when I I received the diagnosis, I had to come back home for inpatient rehab. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to do everything again because my mom said she's not coming home unless she's able to take care of herself and, you know, I got a child to take care of. So I had to do go through physical therapy occupational therapy. I didn't have to have speech therapy because in the hospital, my voice was coming back and I wasn't hadn't started on any medication for MS or anything. But it's just like the healing had already started taking place. And I was able to, after going to the rehab and learning how to walk again, they wanted to take me out in the um, wheelchair. And I was like, nope, I want to walk. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked to the car I was holding on to the wheelchair. They didn't let me do that. You know, I was just like, I just held on to the wheelchair if I needed to sit down. But I I walked to the car and I felt, I was excited. I felt like, you know, I accomplished something. Oh, and you did. And I made it back home to my baby right before he turned three years old. Oh, that's quite an accomplishment, Sharice, to overcome that and be able to walk out under your own power. So for people who are thinking, gee, I have these weird symptoms and I wonder if it could be MS. Do you have any advice for them you would share as to what they should do on their journey? I would tell them we have to be our own advocates. They wanted to chalk it up to me as like, you know, you're crazy. This is all in your head. You're making this stuff up. 
you get another opinion. Someone's not listening to you. You go to someone else. Someone's going to listen to you. You demand that you, whatever test you need to do to rule things out. Please do that because we deserve to know what's going on. I'm like, this is something that I could not have made up at all. This is like life changing. And it was scary and not knowing what the heck was going on with me. And, you know, my mom going to work and, you know, I'm having to sit and use the bathroom on myself because, you know, I'm I'm weak and I couldn't get up and go to the bathroom. It's And very scary, very scary. So it's like I've seen the worst of MS and I'm like, I don't ever want to see. I don't ever want to go through that again. That is quite the story, Sharice, and I appreciate your advice. I'm hearing that from everyone I'm interviewing is that we have to be our own advocates and we have to speak up. In the beginning, they tried to chalk it up. I believe they were just, you know, trying to chalk it up to, you know, my size. And after my diagnosis, I opted to have gastric bypass surgery. So it's just like, you know, I've released a lot of weight and I'm like, you know, I still, MS is still here, but it's easier to manage because there's less that I have to carry around. So my main things that I deal with now are just the fatigue. Yeah. I'm like, you know, they try to give me medication for it. And I'm like, nope, I will just rest. I will just rest and relax and listen to my body. So, well, good for you. Again, I'd like to thank you for sharing your story with us, Sharice. It sure took a lot of twists and turns, and I'm glad you're you're feeling better and you feel like MS is just a side partner with you. I want to thank everyone for listening to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm Laura Koloskowski, your host, and we will be looking forward to sharing the next episode with you soon. Thank you and have a great day. 